Welcome to Advance, a podcast devoted to helping strengthen churches for gospel movement. I'm your host, Brian Moak, Vice President of Church Strengthening with Convergement America. Today, we're going to talk about the church board. All of our churches have them. Uh, Some actually call themselves the board. Others call themselves elders or deacons, and still others use terms like executive board, guide team, etc. So what in the world is the right kind of board to have? How do we make sure our church boards are doing the right thing? Actually, what even is the right thing to do? And that doesn't even start to address the issue of who should be on the board. I mean, it's a lot to think about, and it can certainly get confusing to us as leaders at the very least, and it can become even divisive at its worst. Well, to help us talk about the issue of the church board, I've asked Dr. David Clark, theology professor at Bethel Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, to share with us. Not only has Dr. Clark done extensive study and research regarding church boards, he's lived them in his own church experience as a pastor and leader. Dr. Clark has and is a great help to our movement of churches in this area of church boards, among many other topics. So it is an honor to have him join us today. Dr. Clark, thanks for being on the podcast and helping us sort out some of these issues related to church boards. It's great to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. And thanks so much for being uh, with us here today. Why don't we start out and and just share with our listeners kind of the two-minute Dr. David Clark story, just a little bit who you are and and, uh, what your role is at uh, Bethel. I was born in Tokyo, Japan. Mom and dad were missionaries. I was raised in Japan, came back to the States for college when I graduated from high school. And in my professional uh, career, as I've served the Lord now for about 40 years, I've uh, done a lot of teaching of theology, and that's my current role, professor of theology. Uh, But I've also spent about eight years in pastoral ministry and also about uh, a decade uh, in senior leadership at Bethel University, most recently as the dean at the seminary. Uh, But now I'm just teaching theology again, kind of back to my roots, uh, and it's a real delight to do that. I'm married to Sandy. We have two sons, two daughters-in-law and five little grandchildren. The oldest is six. So when they all come over, it is a wild and crazy time. But that's me in a nutshell. And uh, in these years coming, uh, in the next decades, my hope and joy is to be able to continue to serve the church uh, with uh, consulting and teaching and helping uh, however I can uh, around the topics of board development, leadership, and uh, Christian theology. So that's a thumbnail of who I am at this point in my life. That's great. Thanks so much for that. Hey, let's let's start out by having you give us a simple definition of what a church board is. Let's start there. Great question. And I think biblically, if we uh, look at the leadership of the church, we're really going to talk about the concept of eldership. And I believe really a group of elders uh, should lead a local body of believers. Sometimes people want to argue that it should be a single elder Uh, But I really believe that the biblical evidence tilts toward this idea that you have a group of elders who are leading a local body of believers. And today we call that the church board or the church council, or as you said, a number of other topic or another, uh, a number of other terms. Organizationally, this is a team of leaders who are really responsible to protect the church. The, The elders and the leaders should protect the mission of the church. They should protect the culture of the church. They should protect the church 
in terms of its finances and uh, threats of, to its legality. Uh, they should make sure that people are safe. And they should, of course, make sure that the, the organization is effective in what it's trying to do. So this is really a matter of biblical stewardship in my mind. Uh, we do not want to be a one-talent church. We want to be a ten-talent church. And yeah. so the elders are the ones who are sort of given this high-level responsibility uh, to make sure that the mission is clear, the values are clear, the culture is created in such a way that it is healthy, it affirms people, it gives people uh, opportunities to serve through their gifts, it holds accountabilities for people who are responsible for certain parts of the organization, certain parts of the church, it is important to guarantee legal and financial compliance. Who's paying attention to the uh, the ideas of tax audits and you know legal responsibilities? I mean, these are not exciting to most people, but they're critical because if you make a mistake in one of these areas, it brings the whole church to its knees. And ultimately, the board is supposed to ensure that the, the church stays true to the mission that God has called the church to. And so the board guides the pastors, the board guides the ministries. It kind of defines and sets up the rules that everybody should follow so that everyone can work together to fulfill the calling that God has for the local body. Hmm. That That's very helpful. And it's pretty simple, too, in, in the sense that I think Scripture gives us a pretty clear indication in one sense how that takes place. In another sense, there's not a whole lot of specificity uh, to to some of the specific issues that uh, that elder boards structure themselves, and so I'm finding the longer that I'm in this role, I, you know, I was a pastor for 25 years, and every church I was in had a different way to do their elder structure, if you will, and and now that uh, I'm I'm in, uh, you know, so many of our churches, there's just so many different board structures out there, options of how to function. What can, can you give some clarity on that? You know, what what are some of these board structure options? How how do we need to be thinking about that? Great question, and uh, you're right that there are a lot of uh, a lot of different practices uh, out there in churches. I would say, first of all, that just the fact that there are lots of different uh, things going on, different constitutions, and so forth, it does not mean that they're all effective. And uh, so, I would suggest that many of the things that are happening out there, um, you know, could be improved. Uh, and while there are some different models, you could name some of them like the Carver model, or you could, you know, look at Kaiser's model or whatever. Uh, the the basic principles of what the churches ought to be doing uh, in this governance area uh, are not uh, sort of all over the map. There are a, a few principles and a few activities uh, that a board ought to be working toward. One distinction that I think is really important is the difference between a working board and a governing board. Hmm. So in a working board, the members of the board are actually participating as members in the work and ministry of the church. Hmm. So they're going to serve in the ministries. They're going to keep the books. They're going to, you know, be youth volunteers. Uh, they're going to clean the bathrooms. They're going to do whatever. And working boards are common in smaller churches. They're common in newer churches. Yeah. This is different, though, than a governing board, because the governing board is cl more clearly focused on the idea of providing the kind of oversight that I was talking about a minute ago. In other words, they're really focused on what is our mission, 
Are we accomplishing our mission? What are our financial legal responsibilities? Are we making sure that we've been protected from financial and legal threats? Uh, what kind of principles will help us uh, to, to govern this thing well so that God's calling can be accomplished and we are good stewards of the resources that we, we've been given? One of the problems with a working board is that too many times working boards sort of get into the weeds yeah. of ministry, which is very understandable and very good, except that what ends up happening is that they tend to overlook these important governance issues until it's too late. So let me give a quick story. A church uh, that was using a working board approach had one elder who was kind of the youth elder, one was the worship elder, one was the child children's ministry elder, one was, you know, various ministries, the mission elder, and so forth. And these focuses, folks on the, the board each focused on their own little ministry hmm. rather than focusing on the total ministry of the church. And so it was really a collection of people who had different interests rather than team that was focused on the one interest. And it turned out that in this context, they were all busy doing the work of ministry, which is good, but nobody was paying attention uh, to their accounting principles. And as they were all doing ministry, the church treasurer quietly stole $80,000 wow. by pretending to pay taxes when, in fact, he was putting the payroll taxes, uh, the money for the payroll tax in his pocket. Mm. And that's an example of uh, a, a board that didn't have its eye on the ball. And while they were doing good things in terms of serving with the youth ministry, serving with the mission ministry, serving with the, the missions ministry, and so forth, they were neglecting the governance issues of protecting the mission, the ministry, and the integrity uh, of the church. And so that church paid dearly because the board didn't have its eye on the ball. Wow. That, sadly... Uh, I could also share similar sorts of stories uh, that way. And, uh, and so I think um, there is a real issue that we got to be careful about in our churches is to make sure that we are structuring effectively. I, you, you said something before, and I just want to push on it just a little bit. And, and that is that smaller churches tend to tend to do more working board things. And as a church gets bigger, then they tend to be more in the governing. Uh, I think that's how you said it, that the sort of the governing board way. And what, what would be something that you would say to that small church that I would say most of our churches function in the way that all of those board members are worker bees. Right. <laughs> they are all in charge of different ministries. What, what, what's the caution? You said a legal piece, which is there, but how, how, what is another thing that you would say to that small church to caution them uh, to not get into the weeds, if that makes sense, I'm asking. Yeah, it does make sense. And I quite agree uh, that that is something that we need to think carefully about. And I find it helpful to think in terms of, um, you know, what hat am I wearing? Mm. So uh, if I, for example, I'm a youth volunteer, but also an elder on the board, on Wednesday night when I'm hanging out with the junior hires, I, I put on a hat that says youth volunteer. Mm. And at that point, I'm not speaking as a board member. If I say something, you know, like I've given opinion, I'm not speaking as a board member. I'm just a youth volunteer at that point. But when I go to the board meeting, I have to take my youth volunteer hat off mm. and I have to put my elder hat on. 
as a youth volunteer, my focus is on the effectiveness of the youth ministry. And maybe I've got a small group of eight, you know, seventh grade boys. And my focus is, you know, loving in and feeding into and teaching these seventh grade boys. But at the elder meeting, I'm no longer the seventh grade boy small group leader. I take that hat off. Then I put on the elder hat. And as an elder, I have to take a different perspective. I have to discipline myself to say, I'm going to look at the ministry of the church as a whole. And at that point, I can't, for example, vote to give more resources to the youth ministry and starve the mission ministry. I have to step back and look at the whole uh, because as an elder, that's my responsibility. So to me, it's very helpful to, to keep clear roles and responsibilities. And when I'm a youth leader, I have the role of a youth leader and I have a certain set of responsibilities there. And when I'm an elder, I have a different role and I have a different set of responsibilities there. And I have to keep those separate in my mind. And so this idea of, you know, which hat am I wearing right now has been helpful to me uh, to negotiate that difference. That's good. That's that's really helpful. Kind of keep going in that framework a little bit and and. you know, there are definitely some do's and don'ts as it relates to the church board. And, um, you know, I'm thinking just already of things like that, that I see all the time is, you know, do uh, encourage and hold your pastor accountable, but don't micromanage him. And, 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 and I mean, and the list goes on and on, even in terms of how, how you just started us out there. So just give us some other, you know, what are some do's and don'ts as we think about the church board? Absolutely. And this, you know, is quite a list. And so what we're going to be able to do today, Brian, is just kind of give some, some ideas, you know, some suggestions Good. Uh, and not at all an exhaustive list. But I do think that one thing that's helpful to keep in mind is the distinction between the structure and the behavior. Hmm. So structure is how the thing is set up in the constitution. You know, who are the people who are on the elder board? How do they get selected? Um, You know, what is the relationship between the pastor and the elder board? These kinds of sort of structural things that would be in the constitution as rules that need to be followed. But there's also um, a set of behaviors Uh, that need to be practiced. And these are simply the behaviors, I would say, of any good team, any group of people that's going to work together well as a team. There are certain behaviors that you have to follow. And I think, for instance, one critical behavior is around the principle of confidentiality. If there is a crucial conversation that needs to happen in the board and you have agreed that there needs to be confidentiality, then every board member has to take that conversation with them to their grave. And what I observe is that people are sort of loose and lackadaisical about that that principle. Or another one is to discuss, decide, and defend. Uh, this is a basic principle, uh, I think, that's that's good for any kind of a board. So let's suppose we have an issue, we have a difference of opinion, we discuss it. Then together we have to come to a consensus and decide as to what what that's going what that decision is going to be. Now maybe five people think one thing and one person thinks a different thing. But as a member of that team, the one person who maybe doesn't agree with the specific decision that the rest of the group has come to, they that person is still responsible to go out into the congregation and defend that decision. 
And the worst thing that can happen is for disagreements on the board to spill out into the congregation. You need to disagree behind closed doors, come to an agreement. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm in the majority. It doesn't really matter. It's my responsibility as a board member to go out into the congregation then and defend the the, the decision that the board has made. Can, can I just say, before you go on, if there's one thing that you take out of this episode, please take that one. Um, unit, unity is not the same thing as unanimity. Right. Uh, unanimity is that we all think the same thing. And that's impossible. Whenever you have two people together, that's impossible. But unity is exactly what you're saying, David. And, and that is when we leave this room, we are linking arms together and we're on the same page. And that's what scripture calls us to. And if we can't do that as leaders, um, how in the world can we expect our churches to behave that way as well? And then the, the other thing I just want to quickly say, too, is that idea of confidentiality is so critical. When you leave that room and you've talked about a bunch of ideas, if you share an idea publicly before it becomes policy, if you will, everybody will think that idea is true and, and it's happening. And so you can't control the narrative outside that group. And by the way, listen closely, that includes our wives. That's very tricky, but uh, we need to be careful what we share with our wives uh, because that too uh, can be a way in which confidentiality uh, can can go the wrong way. And, and so just be careful in both of those areas. I can't say it enough. That's a great point. And thanks for underlying that or underscoring that idea there. And I would just say to get to find a good resource on this, I don't think there's anything better than the book by Patrick Lencioni called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. And he's got five principles about how teams can work together. Now we throw the word team around, you know, this is a group of people, they're a team, but not every group is a team. It takes practice and intentionality to learn how to work together as a team. If you throw a bunch of football players on the field and they've never practiced as a team, they're not going to be able to run plays, frankly. So there is some practice that is required to get that behavior in the right place. And one thing I'll just note is that there is a, we'll say more about this later, but the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability has done a tremendous amount of research on this. And they have contrasted in their surveys effective boards and ineffective boards. And one of the biggest differences between effective boards and ineffective boards is that effective boards understand their role and understand their responsibilities clearly. Hmm. And it turns out that uh, according to the one survey that they have published, effective boards, 93% of the members of those boards can say that they clearly understand their roles and clearly understand their responsibilities. Whereas ineffective boards, less than 50%, have clarity about even what they're supposed to be doing. So that is a great place to start. What is our role and what are our responsibilities? And for my money, discuss, decide, defend is a great principle to start with. Another very significant difference between effective and ineffective boards is that effective boards have some kind of a strategy process. That is that it's not a strategic plan that they write and put on a shelf. It is an ongoing sort of a rolling strategic process that is always active. They're always thinking strategically. Now, again, this may sound like business talk, but actually it's stewardship talk. It's like the Lord has given us 
you know, all these resources, time, money, energy, uh, talent, spiritual gifting, the Holy Spirit. We've got all these amazing resources. And the question is, are we using them as 10 talent churches or are we using them as one talent churches? And what ECFA has found is that in effective churches, 88% of them have an ongoing strategy process. And in ineffective churches, only 40% do. Uh, another example would be that the board measures mission output, mission impact. And again, this is a question of uh, stewardship, again, because they've clearly clarified, this is what we believe God is calling us to do. This is our ministry. And we're not just going to think that doing what we've always done is going to somehow magically produce the results uh, that God is expecting us to achieve. And so we're going to go measure that and be evaluative and do our best under the Holy Spirit's guidance to figure out whether or not we actually are achieving the mission that God is calling us to. At effective boards, 81% are very focused on impact and on measurement, and ineffective boards, 36%. So that's almost a 50% difference between those boards that are really focused on what God would have us do and measuring that and being sure so that we are 10 talent churches and we can prove it versus many that are just kind of doing what they've always done and not really thinking about how, they're, how they can measure that impact. Uh, how about share one more of those principles with us? I know there's a lot more, but just share one more. There's a, there are so many, I, I think <clears throat> one that, uh, I'll just say I have personally been involved in is the question, is your board well-informed about outside forces that are affecting your church? And effective boards, the number is 84%, and ineffective boards, 39%. And I've had a number of boards ask me to come and do sort of board training around the topic, what's going on in our culture uh, that will affect our church? How can we think about the gospel in ways that are relevant to the contemporary culture? And we don't have to say a lot about uh, what's going on in our culture because we all know that there are huge issues issues around uh, justice and race and policing and class and poverty. Uh, there are huge issues uh, around medical care and the COVID uh, crisis and the question is, how do these outside forces affect the ministry that we're doing and the gospel proclamation that we're doing? Are we communicating in a way that is turning everyone off when we're trying to reach them for Christ? Well, we should be well informed about that. So this is a way in which, again, effective boards are more than twice as likely, 84% to 39%, more than twice as likely to be on top of this kind of thing. I would love to talk more about a lot of things. And I'm sure that there are people right now who are saying, man, I'd love to hear more about this. And I know that you said before that you do some church uh, uh, board development stuff, that you've done this project with Converge, uh, and uh, that's been great. Um, but if someone wanted to contact you to talk maybe more about this issue, or, hey, how can I connect with you to come and speak to our board about something? How, how, how could they do that? So uh, just to get in contact with me, um, certainly an email is welcome at any time, d-clark at bethel.edu. Be uh, grateful to hear from anybody and, and certainly willing to help out. And Brian, you would have my contact info as well for anybody who would like to get in touch with me. So happy to help out. 
Absolutely. Thanks so much. Hey, uh, would you mind, We uh, I, I say this every time, but we would like our guests to sort of uh, pray a blessing on our pastors and leaders. Uh, and uh, uh, would you just close us in prayer in that way? I'd be very, very happy to do that. So let's pray together. Gracious God, we're thankful for this time this morning of uh, dis- discussion together. I thank you for uh, Brian Moak leading us uh, in this conversation. Appreciate so much the ministry of Convergement America and uh, all the great things that are happening there by your spirit's power. We're grateful. And Lord, I just pray for each church in the district, uh, for those that are being effective right now, and, and also for those who would like to be effective and and honestly look at themselves and say, you know, we, we could we could kick it up a notch here. We could just do better. May, Lord, the teaching and training that is available and the heart of the leaders across the district be such that uh, each church takes a step forward uh, toward being more effective, toward better stewardship of the amazing resources that you have given to them. Just pray that you will bless them uh, in that enterprise. And I know, Lord, there are probably a few churches that are really discouraged right now because there's conflict or other things going on. And I just pray for an intervention of your Holy Spirit. Uh, as our churches, Lord, are engaging in conversations around the, the big issues that are uh, obviously front of mind in our culture today, I pray that the, each one will bring gospel thinking and gospel love uh, to bear uh, on the issues of the day so that many people will receive you, many people will turn to you, uh, that your kingdom may be uh, built up uh, in the name of Christ. So I pray, Lord, a blessing on each pastor, each elder, each church. I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen. 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 I want to thank you, as always, uh, for joining us today. Thanks again to Dr. Clark for being a part of the the podcast. And I just want to make sure that you continue to share this podcast with other pastors and leaders. And make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to this channel and check out our website, advancethechurch.org. Advanced Podcast is a ministry of Convergement America. Our mission is to start and strengthen churches that exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. If you'd like to learn more about Convergement America, visit our website, convergementamerica.org.